Welcome to Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws, a show about all things poetry. I'm your host, Catherine Owen. Welcome back to season five of Miss Lyrics Poetry Outlaws. I wasn't going to start recording the homages and interviews I'm going to focus on for this season until April, but a poet that I have known for, oh, well over 10 years, Ellen S. Jaff, uh, or Jaffe, I never actually heard her last name pronounced, um, died on March 16th. It's now March uh, 29th, 30th, losing track of days. And uh, I, I want to create an homage for her before her memorial service, which is happening the day I end up flying to Vancouver. So I won't be able to attend it online um, because she, uh, well, I used to stay with her in Hamilton, but she moved to Toronto in the past couple of years. Uh, she was one of the most generous, kind, sweet women poets, beings that I knew. Uh, she is a, a, a tiny little lady who is just so full of uh, intensity and spunk and energy and um, smiles and ability to listen. Truly, when you spoke, uh, I value that ability more and more as I get older. And I stayed with her on a number of occasions. I was just rereading my tour journals, and I stayed with her when I was um, touring Designated Mourner. That must have been the first time in uh, 2014, and then again in 2016 when I was touring the other 23 and a half hours. And I stayed with her again after that, even when she was uh, living with or visiting, I can't remember, uh, her her man friend in Toronto, who she eventually moved in with uh, later on in her mid-70s. She died at 77, a day after her birthday. Um, she let me stay in her place. And uh, the first time I took care of her cat, Buffy, who died about mm, probably five or six years ago or, or more, and uh, she had a wonderful little home just full of, of course, books and a uh, garden full of flowers. Uh, I got to stay in her little upstairs room. She had lots of incredible vinyl and uh, just tons of, of, of quirky knickknacks, of course. And it was just a very cozy place. And one time when I was there, she had a dinner party and we had all the uh, Dave Haskins and a, a number of the other Hamilton uh, luminaries, neighbors and so forth. And I just remembered this terrific convivial time. Uh, she was always interested. She trained as a child psychologist and she grew up in New York and she had her first book come out in 2002 she had a, a lot of uh, poems that were about, as uh, Heidi Greco says in this critique or review of, actually it's probably just a blurb, of her 2014 book, which was uh, Skinny Dipping with the Muse. <laughs> I love that she uses the Muse because a lot of people don't talk about muses anymore. And as anybody who knows me knows, I'm kind of obsessed with the Muse muses. And Heidi Greco says, 
Helen S. Jaff views the world with a woman's eye, often employing images based in the everyday details of domesticity. The reader is led into kitchens, busy with pots of soup and bread rising in the dark. Like flowers planted to remember those who have gone before, the poems are embedded in nature and earth, steeped in the importance of family. She had a son, Joe, who was born in 1980, and she, she always talked about him. And I'm looking right now at a Toronto quarterly interview with her where she expands on her her sources and her origins. And she says she started writing as a young child around four, about the time I taught myself to read. I did too. And that it always felt natural to make up poems and stories with drawings. She grew up in New York. She had the chance to hear Denise Levertov, Diane Wachowski, and she got to study at the Breadloaf Writers Conference. And she responds to the question, what's the most exciting thing happening in poetry today is I think reading poetry aloud is very exciting since poetry is meant to be heard, not only read on paper. It's good to hear poems in a poet's own voice. And she came to, of course, all my readings and and launches that I had in Hamilton Lit Live. And we always had terrific conversations afterwards about what worked and what didn't and, you know, who, who we enjoyed listening to most. And it was just a a beautiful engagement. Uh, She says, what constitutes a great poem is something that opens her heart, makes her feel differently, and makes her recognize or come face to face with something that she knew but didn't know that she knew. Uh, She wrote a lot about her Jewish identity and experiences, um, a lot about, yes, the female body and family and dipping deep into the destructive elements, the darkness at times, dealing with aging and with um, coming to terms with death. And she collected um, other people's work in anthologies. Very important thing to do as a poet, as a writer, is to have these visions for gatherings or groupings or collaborations or communities of uh, various um, thoughts and images and ideas and concepts. And she had an anthology on the voices of older women from Canada and the U.S. And she hoped to show how storytelling by the older woman, the crone, the elder, can enhance her presence in the world and let her share her wisdom with future generations. And she talked about the process in this interview of um, revision, thinking about craft uh, thinking about yourself seriously as a writer, even though, you know, we, we we live in such, you know, I've talked about this many times, such a star system world where it's always about who's winning the biggest prize, uh, who is uh, getting their first book published when they're in an MFA program, you know, who's the latest rising um, luminary. And the fact is, is the majority of creators, artists of all kinds work in a liminal way. They work peripherally, they work in the margins, they create on a daily basis, and they create communities of other creators. But we don't even know their names, or we just know their names very briefly. And then, you know, they disappear again, like a a candle blown out. And that does not lessen their influence, their necessity, their importance. And I think the time has come where, you know, as exciting as it is to win these awards and get the cash and, you know, be lifted upon the shoulders for a moment, you know, the older you get, the more you see 
writers come and go, come and go, come and go. And those that you thought would be something, whatever that, you know, strange, ineffable something is, say, you know, in the 80s or 90s, the fact is that only 1% of those remain in terms of, you know, being in the public eye. But does that devalue or invalidate those who came before and, you know, made their mark in that particular time or um, had influence on, you know, a smaller group of people or a more regional one or a more familial one or so forth. So it's all a texture of fabric, you know, um, interwoven. There is not uh, one that can exist without the other. So uh, TTQ asked, what kinds of advice would you give to aspiring poets? And Ellen says, I agree with the usual write, read, write, read, write. Yes, let's not forget the reading. Super important. How do you write without reading? And hey, buying books is good too. And then she says, Auden's three rules for living. Be kind, be kind, be kind. Auden also advised poets to know about gardening, animals, and science. And, you know, she frequently talked about the importance of gardening, something I'm, I'm learning now. And the time that I stayed with her, that she wasn't there, she said, oh, please do sit out in the garden. You know, all the, the flowers are in bloom. And so being attentive to the outside world, nature, the inside world, you know, the psychology of the mind and the body's health and energy were all vital parts of her ability to create um I find I find this so amazing because as I was reviewing some of the things that I remembered about Ellen and looking for, you know, one of the poems of hers that I wanted to to read and some of her biographical information and the interview, I came up with her blog that she uh used to write and uh the byline is writing is my passion as it should be. And her very last blog entry was written on March 5th of this year. And she titles it Good News, Bad News, Last Blog, which is somewhat heartbreaking. Um, she knew she was dying. Uh, she'd had um, cancer, I believe, for quite some time, but it had reached the point where she couldn't receive any further treatments. But in this blog, she's so happy that her son Joe came to visit uh, for a surprise visit and they had a great 10 days together and he was a good help around the house and helped her to plan. She knew before her death that she was going to be honored with the Ellen Sue Jaffe Humanitarian Poetry Award and she was looking forward to hers and her partner Roger's children coming to visit her again but then she says at the end I've reached the point where I've deteriorated I'm weak. I'm moving to palliative care. She says at the end, I'm in bed most of the time and very tired, but no pain, which is a blessing. Eating soft foods, I'm still hungry. There we have the focus on the, the senses, the tangibility of the universe still there. Discovered citron blueberry sorbet, very refreshing. And then she says, I didn't expect this to happen so soon, and I am sad to leave this world I may not write this blog again. So thank you for all your love, your thoughts and prayers and support. I love you all. Be well, Ellen. Thank you so much, Ellen, for who you were in the world as a poet and as a human being. I'll never forget you.
And I'm going to end with a poem that was published on the uh, Canadian Poetry Library at the University of Toronto. It comes from her um, collection, Apparitions, Visions from the Millennium. And it's an elegy for her father. And it's called My Father's Birthday by Ellen S. Jaffe. My father's birthday four years after he died. He would have been 90 today. We could have celebrated in the garden, heard some Benny Goodman and Sarah Vaughan, eaten fresh-picked beans, watched the rose of Sharon Bloom, invited both of his sisters, his mother, even his father, dead before I was born. And he could have played tennis and ridden a horse the way he longed to do when he was young in Hell's Kitchen in New York City. And he wouldn't have forgotten his language, would have known my name without needing to see it on flashcards. My son, newly licensed, would have taken him out for a drive. He would have loved that. Driving down Fleecydale Road along Highway 2, down to the turnpike and right into heaven, or wherever he is now, resting comfortably, watching the Yankees beat the Brooklyn Dodgers again and again and again, planting hearts like beans in the garden, watching them grow secretly cheering for Sandy Koufax when he pitched his perfect game. His perfect game ended early due to injury. He's somewhere up there with the All-Stars in the Hall of Fame, his broken body left behind like a forgotten uniform. You've been listening to Miss Lyric's Poetry Outlaws. Don't forget to support her on Patreon and stay fierce, word musicians.